One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. It's great to have a dishwasher, but sometimes you just want to put on rubber gloves and stick your hands and and then notice that there's corn in the sink that you want to wash down the drain. And no matter how much water you pour in the different places to try and get the stream to move the corn into the hole, it just will not go no matter what. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Oh dear. Come on, come on. I, I was thinking about this. Um, I know I spent a lot of time on the old radio show moaning about being ill. Mm. But I think by and large, I've kept it off the podcast. Pretty much, yeah. But I am at death's door today. Mm, you are. It's, you're terribly poorly. I've got a mild cold. You have, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing here. I think the angels are coming for me. To paint more of a picture, you're also in your dressing gown. I am. Mm. But I am. Um do I look um do I look woeful? No, as you said as I said before, you look like a gold piggle because it's a pale <laughs> it's a pale blue dressing gown. It's quite sort of it's not furry, but it's it's a very soft towel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was the first thing you said to me when I opened the door. You look like Eagle Piggle. Yeah. I wanted you to say, oh, look at you. <laughs> oh, look at you. Come here. Oh. I won't hug you because I don't want to catch mm. it. But And also, I don't like physical contact. Yeah, that's I thought right. you might say that. No. Um, but you have all my sympathy. But instead, you told me I look like Eagle Piggle from In the Night Garden. Yeah, yeah. So is Rudy watching Eagle Piggle now? Loves it. Obsessed. Yeah. It's the greatest thing ever. I've been trying to get him on it for ages and finally <laughs> finally he'll watch a whole episode on his own it's just incredible you should go to in the night garden live they oh. do live shows of it do they is it good <laughs> is, <laughs> is that the wrong kind of question i just yeah, asked yeah, yeah. right okay um i went i took gene to it about a year ago and he loved it so much and you can pay a bit extra and they can meet you know, their favourite character afterwards. Right. I mean, I think there's only a choice of Upsy-Daisy or Iggle Piggle. Oh, you can't meet the Pontypines. <laughs> or the Wattingers, because no one meets the Wattingers. <laughs> here's, here's a thing I've noticed. So when when you've got um, a, a tiny child in the UK, mm. you go through this phase of watching in the night garden with them mm. and you become obsessed and you've got all these observations <laughs> about it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that you really want to share. Yeah, but there's but no one to share there's them no with. There's no one to share them with no. and people can't relate to it. No, yeah, no. yeah. Which is exactly what we're doing on this I know, podcast sorry. now. But, sorry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Gene met Iggle Piggle afterwards. And you know, they say don't meet your heroes. Yeah. It's wrong. It's oh, nonsense. Oh, really? He was so happy. Oh. I thought he was going to burst into tears, but I mean, he was just so, so, so happy. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. Um, so on the subject of my my health or my mortality. Yeah, sorry, back back to you. Um yeah. I was on a plane somewhat recently mm-hmm. on my own mm-hmm. and and I'm not a nervous flyer at all. No. Like I, I you know I'd, I'd really like going on planes. It's still exciting to me. Um but as the plane took off it was a bit bumpy and I got really scared um that I was going to die. Mm-hmm. And that, like, Gene was going to grow up without a dad, oh. and I imagined him piecing together the person I was by listening to old episodes of the podcast, oh. and just like as he gets older, yeah. trying to figure out who his dad was oh. by by listening to it. Yeah, and then at one point in this little daydream I was having, my wife turned to him uh, to Gene and said, 
Gene, it's lovely that you're doing this, but that's just only a small part of who your father was. And I made myself cry on the, <laughs> I made myself cry on the plane <laughs> thinking about that conversation. He wasn't just a man who spoke about his ill health. <laughs> no. There was, there was more there was to more, him. There was more to him yeah. than that. Yeah. <laughs> I've told you before now, I have got myself all choked up thinking about Gene doing the eulogy at my funeral. Oh, I'm I'm terrible for that kind of thing. Really? Like I I can find myself crying because I've got into like a sort of a daydream about something very very tragic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's horrible. But then I suppose if one of us dies tragically young, they'll be able to use this as evidence to say in the eulogy, look, it's what she wanted. <laughs> On some level, yeah. it's what she always wanted. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got a quick question to ask you before we move on. Okay. How bad does food have to taste mm. before you would say something about it in a cafe or a restaurant? Um, it, it depends on my mood. Oh, really? Yeah, very really? much depends on my mood. Because recently I was feeling very, very sulky. <laughs> Surprised you, I'm sure. <laughs> I was feeling very sulky and I got a brownie from a cafe and it was it was quite stale. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't eat this. It's too stale. And they went, well, give me another one. I went, I don't want another one. <laughs> I was that sulky. Yeah. But but on a day-to-day normal day, it would have to be revolting. Wow. Because yeah. I, I um I, I to you know, I've got this idea that when I've got a cold, I should only eat spicy food because mm-hmm. it'll somehow burn through the cold. Yeah. So I ordered um a Thai green vegetable curry a couple of days ago in a place mm. and it was so salty mm. it was like it was made with the sea. Oh, I, I, well, I couldn't eat that then. Now, I like salt. Mm, mm. Uh, you know, I think it's magic dust that makes everything taste better. <laughs> but I, I just ended up, even though it was like disgustingly salty, I'm just spooning it into my mouth thinking, I don't want to make a fuss, really. Oh, no. I mean, maybe, maybe it's how they make it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe they know better than I do. Which I think is very similar to what I was saying last week about taxi drivers, even though you know they're going to the wrong place. Mm. Think, well, maybe maybe they know. Maybe there's bad traffic. Everyone knows you know, better than me. Maybe it's more authentic to have, <laughs> have it taste like the... It wasn't even like the sea. It was like the dead sea. Oh my. And how dehydrated were you for the next couple of days? St- I'm still dehydrated now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if I looked at a slug, it would just shrivel up. <laughs> now that you're listening, it's happening. Do you know it? Do you like it? When will you be here in the future? I will be here in the future. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. We'd love to hear from you. If you haven't shared your story with us yet, or if you have, but you've got a new one for us, then uh, do email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. Okay, this first one is from Ben. And I'm going to say this is really, really bad. And think how bad it must be that I've never said that before. Okay. It's it's that bad. Okay. Okay. The subject is, he says, woeful at love and does this make me a bad person? Okay. About six years ago, I was seeing a very lovely young lady who'd been dating for around a month or so at this point. So I was still very much in that early phase of attempting to convince her that I was, of course, the greatest person she'd ever met. As a listener of your show, it may surprise you to learn that I'm not the most confident person in the world. So whenever I do meet people I like, I usually spend most of my time convincing myself that they don't really like me, even if, as in this situation, they have agreed to go out with me. I react to this by nervously trying to be funny a lot. I cite this as my first piece of defence for what follows. (laughs) One afternoon, the lovely young lady and I are spending a lazy Sunday at mine. She mentions that she's just signed up to do a 10k run towards the end of the year and would I sponsor her? Now, you would think I'd have just said, of course, but whenever I'm around her, with all my insecurities flying about, a constant beat of be funny, be interesting would be running through my head. So instead I say, oh, who are you running for? As perhaps this will open up an avenue for me to display humour and intrigue. Macmillan, the cancer charity, she replies. I now cite the second most crucial part of my defence. I regularly listen to an American comedian's podcast where he rambles about his life and random topics that take his fancy. Within the recent episode that I've been listening to, said comedian had done a bit, ranted about the world's population problem and all his novel ideas on how to solve this, one of which included a joke around the idea that medical science had become too effective and were now saving far too many people from illnesses. 
I can only presume this played a significant part in what I said next, as a swirl of that podcast episode that I've been listening to, and the now increasing in volume mantra, be funny, be interesting, churned around in my head. I looked at her and said, cancer, I don't mind cancer, there's way too many people in the world. Yep, that's right. I said... I don't mind cancer. I don't think there's a professional comedian in the world that could have made that line funny. (laughs) That's not even the worst part, though. As my mind started to engage again, my insides turned to ice. There's usually only one reason people run for a particular charity, and that is because they've been personally affected by the cause. I, of course, already knew this as she confided in me sometime before that her father had devastatingly passed away from cancer the previous year. I stared at her in abject horror for what I felt like was forever as I realised what I'd just said to her. As mentioned, she was lovely and she simply half smiled before looking away in response. Deciding that there was no way I could adequately explain why I'd just said what I did, I instead managed to finally stutter out that... Of course I'll sponsor you for attempting to move the conversation on by asking oh. about her training plans. For some reason, she continued to date me for some time after that before we eventually, and quite rightly for her, went our separate ways. I naturally have refrained from dating ever since. Oh. <laughs> it's bad. How long has it been? Six years. I was going to say, I think it's okay for you to give dating another go the mm. self-aware, but leave it a bit longer. Maybe. <laughs> Just... Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think give yourself a little bit more time to reflect on what you did that day. And I think in four years, yeah, you yeah, might okay, be ready yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. Okay. This is from Brit. I have a short story from my childhood that can still haunt me to this day. When I was six, we moved from our village to a farm in the countryside. I was feeling quite lonely after school and at the weekends as we were living in the middle of nowhere. So for some reason, best known to my six-year-old self, I decided to invite the whole class to a birthday party. Imaginary birthday party, that is. I spent hours creating pretty little invitations to every single person in my class, about 30 children. Then I gave them out to everyone and even drew a little map on the front of each one of how they could get to the farm where I lived. I got very excited about it and so did my classmates. That is, until their parents started asking my parents at the school gates about the arrangements. I mean, what was I thinking? Maybe that everyone would just turn up and we would party? I'd never even had a birthday party. I mean, what did it actually evolve beyond the invite? It was very soon brought to my teacher's attention. And then she asked me to stand up in front of the whole class while she announced, Brit has been a very naughty girl. Oh, no. She has invited you all to her birthday party. Well, I'm sorry to disappoint you all, but there is no birthday party. In (laughs) fact, her birthday isn't till August. It was February. Everyone did a sharp intake of breath and looked at me with shock and horror on their faces. I wanted the ground to open up and swallow me. The look on all those faces and the noise of about 30 sharp intakes of breath of shock. I felt dreadful. I think teachers probably handle things a little more sensitively these days. Let's hope so. And my parents, after giving me a telling off about the incident, did actually give me a birthday party in August. But that moment still haunts me to this day. Can't believe you did that, Brit. (laughs) You're even worse than old cancer boy. Oh! (laughs) Okay, finally, Sharon. I recently went to the dentist and needed an x-ray. Whilst holding the thingamajig in my mouth, I struggled not to gag. After the dentist had taken it from my mouth, I apologised and said, I'm very surprised I reacted like that. I don't usually have much of a gag reflex, which obviously pleases my husband. You could almost see the tumbleweed as the dentist and two assistants just carried on without acknowledging that I'd even spoken. Mortified. Though probably about as much as when I went for a smear test on a hot day and asked the nurse if it was a <laughs> and asked the nurse if it was a worse job during summer. <laughs> oh god, this makes me feel so much better about my small talk with the postman the other month. When her steely response of it's not something I noticed came, I should have taken the hint. But instead, being completely socially inept, I wanted to lighten the mood and continued with, when that spatula thing is where it needs to be, is it easier to slip in the sluttier people are? (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. 
No response <sighs> at all. She just closed the curtain on me and said, you're done, pants up. Oh dear, real mixed bag there. Who was that? That was Sharon. Sharon, that was really something. I love that one. (laughs) Uh, More of these, please. Share your story of blurting out things, your attempts to lighten a situation with humour that appears to be a good good topic there. Mm Sort of childhood memories that still make you cringe decades later. Email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. Sometimes when you're not paying attention, you didn't even realize you're in a sewer. That's not the case here. Right now you're on a lake and it's it's really nice. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port adrift. It's a play on words about water. Annabelle. Yeah. You've prepared a little story. I have, yes. What's your little story about this week? Well, it's about the time I was nearly a rock star's wife. What? Yep. How I was nearly the next Bianca Jagger, Patty Boyd or Sharon Osbourne, touring the world, fighting off groupies, becoming a slightly unhinged X-Factor judge. It was all there <laughs> waiting for me. Now, I'll admit two things, first off. Firstly, it was the drummer. Nobody wants the drummer, do they? Nobody knows the drummer's wife. I'd never even heard of Maureen Cox and she was married to one of the Beatles. And I spent most of my 30s with you, Jeff, and you've probably mentioned it endlessly to me in front of my glazed eyes. So firstly, it was the drummer. Secondly, the rock band in question were Speedway. What do you mean you don't remember Speedway? <laughs> Scottish pop rock group. Come on, remember them? Number 10 single cover of Christina Aguilera's Genie in a Bottle, double A side with Save Yourself. Number 12 single, Can't Turn Back. Number 33 single, In and Out. And then that was it. So this was in 2003. You remember Speedway, right? I, I, I've got some memory of this incident. Only because actually. of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you were with me when I met him. So this is going back to 2003 when we were working at Virgin Radio. But I didn't meet him there. We, we were in a pub, you, you and me, and it was a sing-along piano night in West London. Yes. I can't believe I went all the way from East London to West London for a night out. I think life's really different in your 20s, <laughs> isn't it? So we met there on a Saturday night and we must have swapped phone numbers, although I might have had to write his down as I think my phone then could only save 10 contacts. Right. Either that or 10 text messages, I can't yeah, remember yeah. which. But we arranged to go on a date the following night because he was in, only in London for a short while promoting the new single, Gene in a Bottle, Double A Side with Save Yourself. It was very exciting because you know, I was going a date with someone who had a single in the charts. I was so excited that I agreed to go out on a Sunday night, even though I had to be up the next day at 3.30am for the breakfast show. Life is very different in your 20s, very different. <laughs> so he took the lead in organising the date, which was fine by me because this is a rock star, isn't it? You know, yeah. We'd probably go for drinks in a really expensive hotel bar like, I don't know, the Mandarin Oriental. And then maybe up to his penthouse suite for a private dinner. And then Keith Richardson might stick his nose to the door. <laughs> we'd have a few drinks with him. So a few hours later, I found myself with my date, in a Bella Pasta. <laughs> Bella Pasta. <laughs> Such a great name for a restaurant, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah, Bella Pasta. Beautiful pasta. It doesn't exist now, but if you don't know, it was a chain that I'd say, if I was being generous, was a half step above a Pizza Hut, but not quite as fancy as a Pizza Express. Yeah, I think you've, you've, you've pitched it just right Okay, yeah. and on his insistence, he paid and he said he put it on expenses. <laughs> But then we did go back to the hotel bar. Apart from his hotel was a three star, not a five star. But we did get on so well in the hotel bar that when the people sitting next to us, sitting next to us found out that we were on a first date, they were amazed and they said there was no doubt that we we're going to end up getting married. I mean, to be fair to these people, they'd never seen me drunk before. <laughs> I could have been with anyone, really. Now, I will admit that I did very briefly go to his room, very briefly, if my parents are listening, and only to see what the penthouse of a three-star hotel was like. Turns out they have single beds. So (laughs) I didn't stay. And then he was going back to Scotland and, you know, the pressures of the band, you know, the the top 12 single. I'm making excuses for him. Basically, we never went on a date again. But the week after we had our date, he was on top of the pops doing Genie in a Bottle. Not save yourself. I wonder why that was. <laughs> so I'm going to stick with my story that I was nearly a rock star wife and not just a very, very low grade groupie. <laughs> just think you might have inspired a drum pattern. <laughs> Jeff Lloyd, Annabelle Port. 
If you get close enough, you can taste the freshness. So a couple of things to tell you about. Annabelle, mm. you are doing a live performance. Yes, I am. Can you believe it? But you've gone solo. Oh, yeah, well, it's, it's connected to my book. That's right. why. And, you know, right. otherwise I wouldn't. But yes, it's, um, it's about my book, Annabelle versus the Internet. And I'm going to be performing at the Fringe Festival. That's wonderful. I mean, you know the Fringe Festival <laughs> happens in August. and it's, it's The no Onestead Fringe Festival. The Onestead. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Which, um, you know, for very regular listeners might know, is... Um, is the nearest town to me because the, with shops because there's no shops in Snaresbury where I live. Mm. Um, so there's there's cafes and everything there, and I'm going to be doing a book reading and talk and other stuff. Q and A, a Q and yeah, like it's going to be all sorts of stuff happening. TBC, um, and you can come if you like. Oh, that would be. I mean, here's the thing: mm. I can't come. No, you can't come, and we'll come on to that in a minute. Mm. But um, I think that'll be that'll be brilliant. It's free. And you can get a signed book, but you you, you can pay. book tickets in advance. Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah. It's free, but you have to book tickets in advance. Um, so just go on to uh, just type in Wanstead Fringe Festival Annabelle versus the Internet. And you're a bit worried because only eleven of the tickets. Twelve. <laughs> Twelve. Twelve tickets. Right, right. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's it's is it a week away yet? It's on September the tenth, Monday, and it's eight till ten. And Wanstead is is on the central line, so it's easy to get to. Oh, it's if you're, really if you're easy in to London. Get to. Otherwise, yeah, it's a faff. You know that's fine, but well, it's not that much of a faff. So it is a faff. no, I mean, like I, I took a train from Manchester to London <laughs> yesterday, and it's a straight shot. You I know? don't think I could cope with the pressure if someone came further afield than you know Zone Two. What about Essex? Um, yeah, you could maybe drive in. You're from kind Essex. of on the Essex borders, aren't you? Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not going to deny that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it'd be lovely to see some familiar faces there. If you, but if, if you anyone's to come. listening in London and they fancy a trip out to. <laughs> the Essex Borders. Essex Borders. <laughs> and it's a lovely cafe and there will be alcohol served, if that's your thing. Otherwise, there's lots of other drinks. And, yeah, I'll be um, doing some stuff. I'll be doing some of my local material. <laughs> Are you going to mingle afterwards? <laughs> yeah, of course. You're gonna do a bit of, so you're going to get up, you're going to do a bit of your shtick. Yeah, I'm going to do, yeah, do some stuff. You've got, you know, some stuff planned, some yeah. tricks up your sleeve. Yeah, yeah. Then I'm going to read a bit from my book. Yep. Mm. And then there's going to be a Q&A. Kind of, yeah. But if people feel too awkward to ask a question... I've got a way around that, don't worry. Oh, have you really? Yeah, yeah. yeah, You've got some plants? No, no, I've got plans, not plants. Okay, I've got plans. And then a bit of a mingle afterwards. Yeah. And then then if you want to buy a book, I'll sign it for you. That sounds lovely. And Mm. if you've got a book already, I mean, it'd be a nice... I'll bring it. Yeah, bring bring that. I was going to say, it'd be a nice opportunity to buy another one for someone else. Yeah, for friends or family. Yeah. I mean, maybe everyone on your Christmas list. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because we're into that that term, aren't we, where you start thinking about Christmas. Exactly. Well, I'm... uh, I'm into it. So it's it's Monday night, tenth mm-hmm. September, yeah. eight o'clock. Yeah, a uh, couple of hours. It's not going to be too late. So you know, I know it's a school night and all that. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That that sounds wonderful. You want some drifters there? Be lovely. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, and it's a rare opportunity to see Annabelle. I don't really go out. I don't really leave the house. So no, it's very rare. No. Mm. I mean, I feel like I I do a few things in a year, and mm. people are sick of me asking <laughs> them to come to them. But you know, you you are quite reclusive. I am, yeah. So um, you got a babysitter booked? No, uh, Tom will stay home. Yeah. So he's not going to be there. No, no. So you know, are you are you open to the idea of having an affair? <laughs> no, not. Okay. I mean, I don't. I just haven't got the energy. So if there's any Lotharios listening who were thinking, don't bother. They'd like to make a cuckold of your love, lover, no, Tom. No, I, I just don't have the energy. Maybe try me again in a year. <laughs> I'm only joking. What if the guy from Speedway turned up, the drummer? Well, <laughs> unfinished business. No, I'm sorry. That's a no to. Okay. Well, um, how, how will people go about getting tickets? To yeah, that? just just go in, uh, go on a search engine, put right. in. I, I tell you what, just go on my go on my Twitter because there's a link there, or go in a search engine. Once did Fringe Festival Annabelle. Great, and and what we'll we'll make sure that I do a tweet about it as well. Thank you, and we'll put something on the Adrift Facebook page yeah. as well. Yeah. Good. Uh, so that's happening on Monday. Now, the reason I'm not going to be there mm. is I am going to Chicago yeah. to see the in-laws. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, so the next couple of podcasts. Mm. I don't know how this will go, mm. are going to be from Chicago, or at least my half is. You're going to be at home 
in Snaresbrook. Yeah. I'm going to be in Highland Park in the suburbs of Chicago. And mm. um, we're going to somehow stitch the podcast together. I'm sure it'd be fine. Yeah. But I just wanted to pre-warn people. I think it will mean that the incident features members of my extended family. Nothing wrong with that. No. <laughs> at all. No. Uh, so just a little little pre-warning. That's going to be happening. And, um, and go see Annabelle mm. at the Wanstead Fringe Festival. Time for Adrift with Annabelle Port and Jeff Lloyd. In whatever order makes sense to you, you are the one that is perceiving it. As I mentioned on the podcast, we're going through the long and laborious process of applying for Sarah's permanent visa. I don't think you have mentioned it, no. Oh, it's so boring. Like They need so much. Firstly, she's got to sit this test, which involves answering the most ridiculous questions. It's so hard, isn't it? A friend showed me the revision books and they think I didn't know an answer to any of them. They're insane. You've got to memorise a whole paperback. Mm. And then there's there's questions like, um, like how long is the bio-tapestry? <laughs> Who knows that? How many ski resorts are there in Scotland? <laughs> These are real questions. Yeah, I know, I know. When was Punch magazine first published? Nobody, no one knows the answer to these questions apart from people who are taking citizenship tests. I know, and I also don't understand how, like, the idea of a citizenship test surely is to make sure that somebody is is sort of ready to integrate into the UK and understands the institutions and services and how to go about life here. Mm. This doesn't help with any of that. No, like, why should a, a mother's the, the ability to live in the same country as her baby depend on being able to answer some bad pub quiz questions? I know, I know. I mean, the thing is, they're not even good pub quiz, quiz questions. I mean, if the end outcome was that she would be like a great pub quiz team member, mm, mm. then I, I could probably go along with it. <laughs> but anyway, so there's that. And then there's, um, we've got to gather together all this, you know, paperwork. Mm. So I had to get to the bank the other day and get my bank statements because you can't just have the ones that you order online. You have to be, have the oh. properly printed by the bank and stamped <sighs> yeah. by the bank. Um so I had to give them. The, I had to ask for my last two and a half years worth of bank statements. Right, uh, and the guy gets. I mean, the, the the guy who ended up helping me, I could see on his face he was so upset that he'd been saddled with this. Oh no! You know, he just wanted somebody who was interested in like applying for a loan or something. Right, right. And he's got some idiot who wants two and a half years worth of bank oh. statements, oh. and he says, uh, he says, God, that's going to be about three hundred and fifty pages, uh, and I go. Oh, God, um, we're going to destroy a whole rainforest. Right. And he sort of laughs a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So th so then he goes off to the printer, mm. and these things, because other people are using the printer as well, take the best part of an hour oh, gosh. to print out. Yeah, yeah. So I can hear him over by the printer mm. talking to his colleagues. Yeah. And at one po point, he goes, Goodbye, rainforest. No, he stole your joke. Yes. <laughs> Now, I just want to point out that my voice went squeaky there right. because I'm not very well. And yeah, that, yeah. I, 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 I just want to emphasise. It wasn't a pubescent boy you were working No, there, no, no. Yeah. It was the, the man in the... Mm. Yeah, so he stole my joke. Wow. And he didn't even give you much credit for it the no, first time round. No, no. It's, it's really what he should have done is, goodbye, rainforest, as uh, my customer over there just joked. Yeah, yes. Or should he? What is the etiquette oh. in that situation? I find out in this week's The Incident. Advice this week comes from comedian, writer and big old brain, Robin Ince. Yeah, that is... In terms of uh, the rights of... Uh, yeah, that's an interesting one. Interesting. Yeah, the... the, the uh, the, the the rights to uh, a slide bond mo to ease a social situation. Uh, do you own that or not? And and also feel slighted because he didn't give me very much when I when I made the quip in the first place. It it was you know the, it was polite chuckle at well, best. Then what he's actually doing is it, it, it's a double whammy. But one he's stealing your line, but two he's saying you see. Really, what a great line is all about is about delivery. And the guy who came in, uh, he had something there, but he didn't have the delivery. <laughs> now, let me see. So it's, it's in, in, in two ways, he slighted you. 
Yeah, because, I mean, he did an edit job. If I think about it, he trimmed it down to Goodbye Rainforest, which, you know, I, I will admit through gritted teeth, that is better, isn't it? Yeah, I think, and also something about the situation. I think he's saying that when you're delivering that, you're delivering a uh, a level of, of shame and embarrassment, uh, whereas he's delivering it with, uh, you won't believe that guy over there. So it's, it's again about the power structure of the joke, I think, to some extent, which is um, you are the full guy in the joke. Previously, there wasn't a full guy in the joke. It was merely a kind of ecological disaster. Um, both of you, of course, in the wrong because the rainforest won't be involved in that. I mean, how do you ask to have all the bank statements delivered to you uh, carved into different pieces of uh, teak and mahogany furniture? <laughs> then that would have been, but, but you didn't, did you? Uh, no. So all you're really saying is uh, rapidly growing pines, uh, often owned by multimillionaires in Scottish Highlands, buy, but you will be replaced hastily. And that's one of the reasons that uh, sharp eyes for ecological detail are rarely used in punchlines. <laughs> Do you think that I could get one up on him by going back and delivering that as a zinger? I think you need to give it a little bit of a pause. This. I think this is going to be one of those uh, wrap-it-up denouements, but it's going to be probably at the issuing of your final bank statements. The time when you're talking about, you know, the, it, the, the bank's over now for you, the life is over for you. But that final moment, something involving also the growth of the tree. <laughs> and that, you're that saying on, on my deathbed. Yeah, I, th- I, I, I think it could be, uh, you know, something, you know, I, either I go or the rainforest does, you know, one of those kind of Oscar Wilde <laughs> uh, wallpaper lines. Do you think, I'd, with hindsight, I should have confronted him? Do you know what? In hindsight, most of the time, witty bonhomies to ease social situations uh, are, are rarely as needed as we think. They rarely ease social situations. With me, often they ended up end up making them more awkward. Well, as someone who, who has a bit of a kind of hypervigilance problem, I generally find that it's like it, there's a bakery that I don't go to anymore, merely because I was in it once with someone that I worked with sometimes, and he went, "Oh, I'll get one of those uh, buns over there." I said, "That's that's a Belgian bun." He goes, "Well, maybe I get that one." I said, "That's a Chelsea bun." And he goes, "God, you know so much." And I just went, "I I know my buns." But then I got this look from the woman who's behind the counter as if I'm someone who does double entendres. And I don't do double entendres. I, it was not at any point meant to be, ah, oh, now my bands, like some kind of seedy elderly man, you know, which I could very easily do now. But because of that, even though it's the best bakery in the area, um, I now can't go into it. And I have to have inferior quality, um, both Chelsea uh, and Belgian buns, because I still worry that woman's going to go out there as that bloke who thinks it's funny to compare buns and buns. But I'm not comparing buns and buns as in like buns that may be used as a slang. I'm literally comparing different forms of baked goods and the fact that I do have quite a broad knowledge of them. So I was showing off. It just sounds like a funny thing that I know my buns, as in just the idea of someone who would boastfully show their knowledge of different baked goods. It was, I believe, possibly interpreted as a double entendre by the person who works behind the counter. And that's now I just I, I don't make any comments at the bakery that I go to because there's only one more left in town and I'm not prepared to walk them or hadn't. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is warm and friendly, and you like it. And that's why you're here. You were the one that pressed play, after all, with your thumb. Adrift, with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. You have a lovely thumb. I was just going uh, to give you a few random thoughts here. Mm-hmm. One is, I'm very much enjoying fastening my son's shoes using Velcro. Are you? Uh, yeah, and it just, I thought, why isn't Velcro more, more used in shoes? In fact, shoes? just fastening things. Okay. Shoes, zips and so on. Okay. When they, Whoever invented Velcro, Mr mm. or Mrs Velcro, oh. like they probably thought, oh, this is going to be my ticket out of this hellhole. Oh. Everyone like, will use yeah, this. Everyone will, there'll be no more shoelaces, oh, no, more, no more zips, yeah. no more buttons. Oh, 
and you don't see it that much. It is sad. I mean, that I'm sure th- sure they did fine out of it, but mm. you know that was just a, a little thought that I had there. Mm-hmm. Um, what other thoughts of a uh, you know? I'm I'm just filling in this section, okay. but I thought I'd share a few thoughts that yeah, I had recently. What yeah. um, is? I went onto the London Underground station. Mm-hmm. And the sign that tells you when the next train is coming mm. was broken. Yeah. And it really annoyed me. Right. Why? Well, this is this is the question. Like, the the trains come when the trains are going to come. Yeah, yeah. Why do you feel like you've got more agency over it just because there's a sign telling you there's one coming in two minutes? Because you need to know. But you know, it doesn't change your <laughs> no, behaviour. No. Like, no. all it ever does is if it's five minutes, you think, oh, God, five minutes. Yeah, but what if it was 20 minutes and you just didn't know? Yeah, but it never, it's it never is, is it? Otherwise no. they'd make some kind of special special announcement. Um, what else can I give you? <laughs> These scattergun thoughts. I was in a cafe the other day mm. enjoying a nice drink mm. and the waitress took the glass away yeah. before I'd finished. Oh. You know, it's ambiguous because there's ice in the bottom yeah, of the glass. Yeah, so yeah. she took the, the dregs. It was a nice elderflower cordial. Um, but I was too shy to say anything. I think the world can be divided into people who say, no, can I have that back? And the, and people who say, yes, nothing. Yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah. 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 And you're a, just, yeah, just take it away. Nothing. Yeah. yeah. And then, then the only other thing that had happened to me that I thought was meant, worth mentioning is when we were in Edinburgh. Mm. So Sarah was doing her show in Edinburgh, as we talked about, and it went great. And she was nominated for Best Newcomer, and I'm very proud of her and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Anyway, we're walking down the street in Edinburgh, and somebody comes up to Sarah and she says, oh, my God, I saw your show yesterday. And she said, says oh hi and she the woman says i really enjoyed it and sarah said thank you very much and um the woman then says oh is is this your husband right and sarah said yes it is so i introduced myself and say hi i'm jeff and she said from from watching the show i pictured somebody skinny oh god is that the most tactless thing to say I don't, I don't know what to say in response to that. Is I cannot believe someone thought it was okay to say. I know, that. I know. But, but you know what? That was that's an instant of someone blurting, and yeah. that person right now is thinking, "Why did I say that? Why did yeah, like, probably yeah, yeah. hasn't slept since? Why did I? Why did? Because okay, it's fine to have think thoughts about what someone looks like. We all do, imagine someone we listen to podcasts what they looks like, but we try not to blurt it out. Yeah, poor person. I know. Adrift under your control with Jeff Lloyd. And Annabelle Port. All right, problematic. We are sitting in problematic. It's time for Quandary Corner here in problematic at the GLAP Clinic. What have we got? This. This is. I'll just explain it in case. Uh, just. A, it's unlikely, but mm. just in case you listen to the podcast for the first time uh, and you've stuck with it this long, yeah, I think that's unlikely that somebody would be listening. Uh, I don't know if this is an entry point episode. <laughs> is what I'm saying. I think some episodes are probably ones where somebody would listen for the first time and think, okay, I kind of get that. Mm. I think there was a lot of us going on about in the night garden at the at the top there. It might put a lot of people yeah, off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even sort of dedicated listeners. Mm-mm. But anyway. Um, so this is where you tell us about a social situation you find yourself in, but you don't know how to behave, and we will tell you what the what the rule is. Yeah. So the first one is from Ellie, Protector of the Realm. I am in need of your assistance with an urgent issue. Nearly a year ago, my first ever lodger moved in, who we will call Mary. Mary is really lovely and in many ways an ideal lodger. As a student nurse, she is out on placement for most of the week, then spends a good amount of the weekend at her church group. Her room is downstairs and she has her own TV in there, so it's fairly common for us to not even see each other for days on end. We're both pretty quiet and reserved, which means that even after all these months, our exchanges rarely go beyond, hi, how how are you? Fine, thanks. What about you? Yeah, not too bad. Then one of us leaves the room. The problem is this. A couple of months ago, it was Mary's birthday and I got her a card and a nice scented candle, a neutral present, which she can always pass on to someone else if it isn't her kind of thing. I wasn't expecting her to get me anything in return, but this week it was my birthday and I came downstairs to find a bag from Mary containing a card and a present. The present was an incredibly large, pink, fluffy ball keyring. See photo attached for sensor scale. I've seen this photograph. It's it's bigger than a tennis ball. It's huge. Wow. As much as I appreciate the thought, the keyring is not at all to my taste and not something I want hanging from my keys. However, I keep my keys up in the porch when not in use. Uh. So if I don't use the keyring, it will be immediately obvious to my lodger and will look as though I am scorning her generous gift. How do I get around this horribly awkward predicament? Spare keys. There you go. And hadn't had them just hanging up. Yep. All the time. Yep. 
Yeah. I, th- I, I can't think of another way around it. That was it. amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, there's no other around it because you can't use them because for a start, most people keep their keys in their pocket. You couldn't fit that in your pocket. And then even in a bag, it would take up too much room. Yeah. And it'd be embarrassing and annoying. I mean, yes. the, the other thing is to, to use the keys three or four times very theatrically in front of her with the key ring on mm. and then ditch it. But she's, seeing as how much they see each other, that's probably not yeah, even going to be necessary. That is tricky. No, spare keys is, is the answer. If you've got, or if you've got like something like a garden shed that has its own key, you and then use it for that. If in the unlikely event that Mary brings it up, you could just say, oh, it's it's too good to be for day to day. You just don't want to spoil it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it's not believable, but you yeah. know. Gets you out of it. Yeah. Okay. Even if it involves you having a new set of spare keys cut. Yeah. <laughs> especially for that key Worth ring. It. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to Emma. She says, I found myself in a weird situation on the tube the other day, and I hope you can set my mind at ease about what I should have done. I occasionally have to travel from the outer reaches of the Metropolitan Line into Euston Square Station. The Met Line has a few little quirks. Some trains terminate at Baker Street, while others go up to Allgate, and we have fast and semi-fast trains which miss out less popular stations. I was on a semi-fast train, so I knew it was going to miss out Northwick Park and Preston Row stations. But the MetLine has recently, by which I mean at some point in the last decade, introduced a thing where some semi-trains also don't stop at Wembley Park. I don't travel on the line often enough to know whether there's a system to this or if they just do it at random to add some excitement to everyone's morning (laughs) commute. Anyway, around about Pinner, the woman opposite me leans over and asks me whether the train stops at Wembley Park. I say I don't know, but she should listen out at Harrow on the Hill because they will announce it then. We get to Harrow and the driver announces that the next stop will be Finchley Road, so the train will not be stopping at Wembley Park. I look over at the woman to try and make eye contact, as if to say, hope that answers your question. But she's on her phone and doesn't see me. As the train is nearing Wembley Park, the woman gathers up all her stuff and gets up to stand by the door. It was really busy at this point, so her seat immediately gets taken up by someone else. She stands there as the train speeds past Wembley Park, then clearly realises she's going to have to stand up all the way to Finchley Road, then catch a tube back in the opposite direction. It's quite a long way between the two stations and she glared at me the whole time as if it was my fault that she hadn't got off at Harrow. Meanwhile, I busied myself listening to your podcast and not making eye contact at all. Was I at fault here? When she was on her phone at Harrow, should I have interrupted her to tell her to get off? Or had I already done my bit by letting her know that there would be an announcement that she should listen out for? I await your judgment. I feel very strongly that you did your bit. Oh. Like she ignored the advice. She did. And then she took a phone call. Yeah. On a like tube. You, she asked you what to do. You gave good good advice. Yeah. Listen yeah. out at Harrow for the announcement. But that woman clearly feels that she should have intervened a bit further. Yeah. But you shouldn't. You shouldn't. You did your bit. You, 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 you taught a man to fish Mm-mm. and he decided not to fish, but to go on his mobile phone instead. And, would and you the man recommend... in this example is a woman. <laughs> Would you recommend during the glaring bit saying, "Look, I told, I gave you the instructions. I taught you how to fish. No, it's not at, my fault at, you didn't you look catch it." Look fish. at your feet. Look at your feet. Okay. I mean, I would feel it. I would feel deep rage, but I would internalize it. Okay. I mean, the thing you could have done mm. is very sort of theatrically waved at her at Harrow on the Hill and mm. done some kind of gesturing. Mm-mm. But I mean, you could have. That would have been going the extra mile. You, you're not in the wrong. I, this, I, it's hard to interrupt a phone call as well. Yeah. But you gave her the information that yeah. she needed. Yeah, yeah. And she ignored it because she wanted to gossip. <laughs> we, we, we don't know what the conversation was She's about. gossiping. <laughs> Might have been a very important call, but yeah. Now, I don't think she should be speaking on the tube anyway, even if you are overground. No, no, no. So, yeah, I'm, I'm totally on it. Yeah, I mean, she shouldn't really have asked you for help no, in the first place because that's breaking the social contract. Yes, yes. Yeah. Sorry, Emma. Yes, yeah. no, we're, we're, we're on your side, Emma. You did exactly the right thing. Case closed. Uh, so we'd like some more of these, please. Do you have a social situation for which you need to know the rules? Email us, hello at adriftpodcast.com. our podcast thank you for listening if you listen every week then why not show us a bit of support by going to patreon.com stroke adrift and pledging us 
a little bit of money every month. Even if it's just one or two American dollars, it really helps us keep the podcast going. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music during the incident. And advice this week came from the force of nature. That is Robin Ince. Robin always has about a million and one things on the go. The stuff he does with Brian Cox and his, his comedy shows. And I believe he does 19 different podcasts. He's got Book Shambles with Josie Long and he does one with Michael Legg. Your best bet is to just Google it because there are just too many things to plug. But Robin just does so many great things. You should follow his work. Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox are our announcers and made our idents Patrick Gunning and Iwana Babu provided technical support. Kim Rainey made our artwork and Carla Gowlett took the photos. Please email us. We need your contributions, please, and, and your quandaries for Problem Attic. The email address is hello at adriftpodcast.com. And finally, I know that you will be wondering uh, the name of that band again, that Annabelle had the romantic interlude with the drummer. The band's name is Speedway. Look them up. The restaurant was called Bella Pasta, but sadly it's no longer with us. Although I did a bit of Googling. There is a restaurant called that in Singapore. I don't know if it's a branch. Maybe travel to Singapore. Give it a go. Adrift. Adrift. And on to the podication. This comes from Camille. I feel very warmly towards the name Camille since watching uh, this show called My Agent on Netflix. Oh, and I've watched a show called uh, Sharp Objects featuring a Camille as well. Yeah, it's amazing how these TV shows can uh, affect your feelings towards a name. I mean, not that I wouldn't have liked Camille anyway. No, of course not. Yeah. was there a Camille in? What was that show we went nuts for for a bit and then never watched the second series? The, the Affair. Ret- no, no, not oh. that one. The Returned. Do you remember about uh, the French village yeah. where people started coming back from the dead? Yeah, there might yeah. have been. Yeah. yeah. Um, hello, Jeff and Annabelle. Hello. Hello. I'd like to make a request for a podication before the 7th of September, if possible, for my big moving day. It would make me absolutely giddy to hear it as I'm planning on listening to this episode whilst driving 900 miles to move from L.A. to Boise, Idaho. Ooh. Do you know anything about Boise, Idaho? Well, I paused because I wanted some acknowledgement that I knew how to pronounce it. Oh, OK. Because, so you do know it then? Well, only because I think I once called it Bois. Oh. And my wife laughed at me. <laughs> was it a bit of a Leicester Square moment? I think, I think right. it is. It yeah, was yeah. exactly that. Yeah. Or when she went um, to Vauxhall and <laughs> called it Vauxhall. <laughs> uh, we've been living with my wonderful and very gracious in-laws for over three years at this point. No judgments, please. Um, in order to pay off all our student loans and save up a down payment. For, sorry about the squeak there. Uh, down payment for a house that sounds very sensible. And whilst I'm extremely grateful to them for all they've done for us, words cannot begin to describe how absolutely elated I am to finally fly the coop. They've been amazing, but I'm definitely looking forward to not having to feel as though I have to be on all the time. Oh, it must be tiring, yeah. It really is, yeah. Um, It has not felt dissimilar to a week-long Christmas vacation that has been stretched out with all the formal niceties along with it. Whoa. (sighs) Yeah. I feel tired just thinking about it. We both went really quiet. We were both suddenly very exhausted. Uh, sorry to sound if I sound sorry if I sound completely selfish and rude throughout this email. I don't you don't at all. But it's been quite a struggle as I hate taking help from anyone. I even sold my plasma, the liquid part of the blood, during college so as to avoid asking my dad for money for groceries. Mm-hmm. How do you I want to sell some yeah, plasma? Yeah, we're all thinking now. Let's all sell our plasma. Yeah, as long as they don't have to do it with a needle. Uh, Can I, might, I just do it through a nosebleed? I'm, yeah, I think that's a no for you then. Yeah. Uh, even after he expressly offered to help with whatever I needed. So in celebration of starting life anew, re-established independence, stroke dignity and self-congratulations for not making enemies of my husband's family, a podication would be the absolute icing on the cake of a very special day for me. Also, if you could give a shout out to my amazing husband, Isam, rhymes with rice gum, 
Isom. I was close Isom. then. Yeah. Isom. Um, who's a great provider and a much better person than I ever hoped to be. He's not a drifter yet, but I'm working on him. Mm. Mm. Well, long 900-mile drive, especially with this episode. <laughs> yeah. It's the exact place to do it. I'm sure he loved all the stuff about In the Night Garden. <laughs> oh, no, dear. The teeny, tiny, ponty pines. Why do we do that? Um also, if you could give another shout out uh, to my wonderful, sweet, beautiful two-year-old son, Arlo. He will be in the, in the car with me on the way up and we'll be excited to hear his name on the radio on a very, very long drive. Arlo! Arlo! How's it going, pal? Hello! Are you spotting some things out of that window? He might have liked the In Night Garden stuff. Do they have it in America? Yeah, you want to go on YouTube. Sorry about the squeakiness, Arlo. Uh, you you want to um, you want to go on YouTube and look up In the Night Garden. It's you really good. Love it. Yeah. You absolutely love it. Uh, so basically, the podcast request is for the entire Allen family. Yay for us! I've been a listener to your podcast from the start after having it show up as featured on my podcast app. Mm. I had never heard either of you or your radio show and decided to take a chance. Oh, wow. Completely new person. That's, That's great. really nice. Wonderful. Uh, I absolutely revel in the fact that there are others out there that struggle and panic about basic social niceties like me and feel you two are doing a public service. Ooh, we wow. are, yes. Never thought of it that way. We should be honoured by our queen. <laughs> As a kid in about first or second grade, I distinctly remember wondering if I had a developmental disorder and I just happened to go to a school with exceptionally nice kids as that seemed to be the most likely explanation as to why I didn't have any friends. Uh, you know, kids that were kind enough not to make fun of me for my imagined disability, but not enough to really want to be genuine friends and get too involved. That seemed like the most likely explanation. Oh. Of course, I've never been diagnosed with anything, but I just didn't understand why everyone else had a friend while I sat alone. I think those kind of thoughts were very much things I would think about when I was a kid as well. Camille, you sound so lovely. You really do. I think I've told you before, I remember reading like at age seven or eight or whatever I would have been, really getting into the Charles Schultz Peanuts cartoons. Mm. And there's this one cartoon where Charlie Brown, I think, goes to Lucy the psychiatrist and says, I have an inferiority complex, or she tells him he has an inferiority complex, and going downstairs and saying, Mom, I mean, Mom, I think I have an inferiority complex. And she said, don't be so silly, you don't have it. But I do, oh, I do. You were right. Yeah. Um, well, enjoy the move. Well done on getting through um, what what sounds like a very kind sort of gesture on behalf of your in-laws. Mm. But, you know, I think a testing time for anybody. And enjoy Boise, Idaho. Let us know how the move goes yeah. and what happens next. And that is the latest edition of the podcast uh, from Camille to Isom. And to Arlo. It's a great name, Arlo, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I love it. Yeah. And there will be another podcast next week, if you would like, from Chicago. Ah, uh, yes. Mm. Um, and Snaresbrook. Mm. If you'd like a podication, email hello at adriftpodcast.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.